Welcome back to Pretty Little Grown Men. I'm David Greenwald. I'm Dom Nicola. Boo! <laughs> Dom is giggling because we just um, tried to record this intro and I didn't press the right button, so I was doing the same spooky sound effect that I just did, was, which which was silly. It was required, though. I'm, I'm glad that you rehashed that. Well, it's it's Halloween, and almost Halloween, and mm-hmm. Pretty Little Liars is famous for its Halloween specials. Uh, this year we did not get one. Mm-hmm. We got a, a clip show. We got some YouTube folks and some Twitter people and the cast all sitting together being relatively nice to each other. Yeah. Um, I was uh, a bit disappointed because I thought that it was going to be more Halloween-oriented. I don't know why I expected that or what that would have uh, would have looked like. But right. It was just sort of like a random, like, here's something we can fill... Uh, fill a week with that's exactly what it felt like like and i and i suppose that i mean maybe our listeners know better than we do but especially because i've never i've rarely watched this show on abc family um i don't think this show has ever had a, a special like this so maybe it was you know due for one but yeah i mean you know it's it's season five um and I think we've learned that the well, they are they are doing the, a Christmas special this year mm-hmm. for the first time. So they're switching holidays, which I assume will be important to the plot, uh, because Halloween has been such a crucial holiday for the show mm-hmm. uh, as a horror show and just as a opportunity to give us something to watch in between the the split seasons yeah. uh, over the, the fall hiatus. Um, and they did they did sort of assert that they're going to treat the Christmas special much like a Halloween episode anyway by right. making it, you know, typically creepy and spooktacular. Well, we we watched two of the... There have been three Halloween episodes of the show. Season one did not have one. So season two, three, and four all did. Uh, we watched the first two this mm-hmm. week, uh, which I thought was really interesting to watch back-to-back. They're both great episodes. Uh, a, a lot, lot of, of carryover. Yeah, a lot of connections between them and a lot of, like, really obvious clues that could be misleading or could be like, no, this is actually a clue. Mm-hmm. Please look at this thing that we're, <laughs> we're showing you. You know, I was thinking, so one of the, uh, the I guess, uh, um, motif that was carried through both um, episodes that we watched what were the, the twins, you know. Yes. So the... The second season Halloween episode, uh, which is a flashback episode to, um, I think, uh, maybe about a year before Allison disappeared. Yeah, and it's it's actually one, of the, it's the only episode I can think of where they give you an actual date. Mm-hmm. Even the newspaper that you see in the front, because we freeze-framed this when we were watching the pilot, it doesn't give you a date on the front of that newspaper right. where it says Allison, or, you know, girl missing or whatever. Um, but this one, yeah, they give you a hard date. Which is 2008. 2008, right. Yeah. So that means the show is still somewhere in 2011, which explains why no one has an iPhone 6 Plus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, <clears throat> it was a, uh, a very informative episode for a number of reasons. Uh, I think most plangent for me was how much of a raging bitch Allie was. Sure. Because it's just sort of like, you know, every, you assume that all of the uh, nerd squad 
uh, bear all these grudges towards Allie, but you 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 rarely get to see why or really feel why. And to see Allie actively be a super asshole to people. Right, to Mona and to Caleb, or Mona and... Um, Lucas. And Lucas. Yeah. Um, it really hits home that it's like, yeah, she... Like, she deserves some sort of comeuppance. Sure. Um, and I think in many ways the show spends a lot of time after the fact uh, trying to figure out whether or not Allison's comeuppance were um, uh, on par with the, the actual devastation that she supposedly experienced. Sure. You know. But it is good to see that she is just a fucking asshole. That she, that she treated her best friends like... Like dolls, like right. like pawns, and that was one of the explanations that they provided in the Halloween specials. That you know they came out and admitted that the doll is a is a symbol for the way in which Allison treats people. Right, and yeah, I thought it was fun to see in this new special they just did, um, more so than the internet folks or the actresses, um, to have some of the people like the prop master of the show talking about how they did some of the stuff they did. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I watched a whole half hour thing of him, like showing you how they did some of the sets and stuff. That was really interesting because the show has been so good about having the masks and the dolls and all these elements that are really scary, mm -hmm. uh, in and of themselves. And I think in general, it's done a good job of like not sliding into obvious horror movie things or, um, you know, keeping it relatively fresh and interesting, you know, even the hoodie, because uh, it gives you the sense of anonymity. Anyone could be wearing a hoodie. Mm -hmm. It's not some guy in, like, a particular mask or whatever, yeah. um, which we did see uh, in both of these previous Halloween episodes, the guy wearing the... Um, the baby mask. The, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil baby mask thing. Did you ever see Brazil? I never did. Oh. There's... The, uh, I'm almost pos it's been a while since I've seen Brazil, but it's I'm almost positive that that baby mask is is a very creepy thing that that pops up at the end huh. when the main character is being tortured. Um, uh, yeah, I I do think that the special really sort of hit home how much um, how much the show and the writers. Uh, try to give a lot to their fans without being too obvious about it. Um, right. that well, it's a very delicate balance mm -hmm. because they have this huge social media following. There's no barrier whatsoever between the participants and creators and the people watching and allowing for the show's existence, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, ultimately the network decides if this show is going to stay on the air because of ratings or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you have this intense pressure from hundreds of thousands of tweets. Yeah. Like, do this, do that. What's mm -hmm. going to happen with these characters? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then writers like ourselves, uh, like I wrote an article saying, I'm concerned that there's going to be seven seasons. That mm -hmm. feels really crazy to do. Yeah. Uh, and they addressed that on the special and said that we're going to find out who the big A is. Uh, before season seven, so I, you know, I, I appreciate knowing that they know what they're doing mm -hmm. and they have a plan, and it's like it's not some huge ratings grab. That means the next season is going to be like the big reveal season, right? Yeah, and maybe season seven is like you know Gilmore Girls, 
Mm. And it's just like super chill. <laughs> and it's just like arguments about like who should date who. <laughs> which I would actually really enjoy if the show like <laughs> pivoted really hard into like not being about, you know, emotional manipulation and bullying and it horrible c- things. It could be like Veronica Mars season three where instead of some sort of grand overarching plot right it's a series of smaller mysteries right you know especially once they establish these characters um to be capable of facing such danger you know right um right how do they go from that into from being in this sort of war zone of their high school years into normal life you know, what are the ramifications of that? Like, are they all in therapy every week? You know, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of like sort of post-traumatic stress to unravel there. Um, I don't know if a show for, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is, if, if the show doing the same tone, yeah, I guess they'll do a good job. Yeah. I mean, they've done a really good job so far. It just seems like it's going to get more and more adult and they're going to react to all this stuff in darker and deeper ways. Uh, and I'm curious to see how the show will expand on that. Um, yeah, I so there's a few things I wanted to say about the special itself, which yeah. is more directly uh, related to the fandom that the show experiences, of which we are a part. Right, and um, I think next time they need to get some some grown men on their on their webcasts. Get some <laughs> get us to do some reaction videos. I guess we should be on YouTube. I guess we're on the wrong medium. I know, yeah, maybe we should have a, a vlog um, or a, a, some sort of video show. Just but, like us screaming, I can't believe it! <laughs> <laughs> we could do a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type watching of each episode. We could. Um, the but, but first I wanted to imp- unpack a few things about the Halloween episodes that we watched. Yeah, so um, let's, let's unzip and roll it out into the, into the yeah, hotel it, bed and put it in the closet and... Take it all apart. Let it flail around. Um, so the first most obvious thing is that uh, so um, Allison begins the second season Halloween episode, the flashback, by telling a story to um, someone that I uh, assume Hannah is babysitting. Right, some um, little kid. Some kid. Who's a wonderful actor, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> that uh, is basically the story about two twins. Um who are arguing over a doll, I believe. They're playing with dolls, and then they they start grappling for this big blonde doll. Mm-hmm. And they're two little blonde girls who actually look a lot like uh, Cece to me. A lot like Cece, yeah. Even have like a little mole on their cheek. Um, and uh, they get into an argument, and one of the twins ends up stabbing the other twin to death. Um and that's essentially the story. I mean, really, there's no much. There's not yeah, much no, more to that. Yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole story. The bad twin. Uh, Allison, of course, extrapolates that into modern times and scaring the child by saying that the homicidal twin is running around killing people uh, on Halloween. But well, no, she says that she's been out in the uh, mental institution and she just got out yesterday. Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, and then in the next scene, it cuts to an image of a Radley van. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes it very clear that there's this deliberate connection. And we know, of course, Allison and her family's connect- deep, deep connections to Radley, which makes that story, in the hindsight of what we know about Bethany Young, 
that story seems super intense. And not to let the books bleed too much into the diverging plots, but um, it seems like now that we're going over these old episodes and seeing where the show is going now, it seems like there's something... I feel like Bethany Young is quite possibly Allison's sister, if not her twin sister. Sure. That Allison killed. And, uh, or something. Yeah. Um, or this other third person, mm-hmm. this imitation Allison, which we've seen time and again on the show. And that, so if we think about the, for example, that like grotesque demon picture of Mrs. De Laurentiis with like the the demon next door in the garden that Bethany Young drew. Yeah, um, still like my favorite weird shit that the yeah. show has ever done. By the way, I think just should, so. Do weird. you think? Do you think that we could find like a like a um, like a screen backdrop for like a desktop background of that? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you should get on that. Pretty Little Liars, the show. You should release it as a graphic novel. Oh yeah, the the, the diary of the images of. You know, the art of Bethany Young. The art of the Bethany secret, Young. The secret art. I would buy that book. But do you think that, sick. like, in that picture, thinking yeah. about all of this, that you have Mrs. De Laurentiis and that demon is Allison, that she's actually drawing a picture mm-hmm. of of this home that she supposedly was a part of. And that's why Mrs. De Laurentiis was always at Radley visiting Bethany, is because it was her child. It could be. It could be. I mean, we know this is a very muddy bloodline, um, I mean, because mm-hmm. we've seen it with uh, Mrs. D and Jason, um, and in the interaction that Jason and Allison have, uh, they are totally, you know, they're relatively the same in the same age bracket, you know, but they're just total dicks to each other. Yeah. They just do not treat each other like family at all. What if uh, maybe Bethany and Allison are half-sisters? It could be. And... Um, Spencer is half sister with either Bethany or Allison. Well, she already is a half sister of Allison. Sure, but yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think we've seen is Spencer. She? Well, yeah. Spencer is the half. Uh, Maybe Spencer is a half sister of Bethany. Because it's her. Because it's her dad. Her dad, her dad is Bethany's dude. father. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a That's a. I think a very reasonable theory. I think the show will be even crazier and will give us this. Um, an actual a, a, a third party who isn't dead. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we're going to run into another Allison or another twin or something out there. <laughs> um, so I, I think the show will give us a character we haven't met yet, but it has to be a character who makes sense yeah. within what they've shown us. It can't just be this random person. Right. Um, anyway, to get back to that, so the, the crossover between the two episodes is that in the in the second Halloween episode of the third season... Um, uh, Mrs. Marin is, uh, you know, giving out, um, uh, candy to trick-or-treaters with her boyfriend, Pastor, what's his, Pastor Tom, Pastor Tim. I, I don't remember. Yeah, shit, what's his name? Whatever his name is. Uh, they're giving, Who's a character who's, like, weirdly faded out of the show recently, by yeah. the way. I don't think they gave any clear explanation for why that. I think the these, I think they're technically they, still together. Yeah, I think maybe they just cooled off, or we haven't had the opportunity to see them. Yeah, you know, gotta keep their budgets down. Um, but uh, Mrs. Marin uh, ends up seeing this this little this little blonde girl 
who talks about how cold she is and she needs to call her mom. And so Mrs. Marin, of course, like gives her the phone and tells her, you know, to, to, um, call her mom and, uh, you know, like she's safe and she's okay and all this stuff. And then of course it turns out that this girl is obviously a ghost, you know? Right. Um, but it's the, it's the twin. It's the yeah, exact it's the same, same actress, twin. It's the same girl. From the, from the first Halloween episode. And, and she talks about her evil sister. And she talks about her evil sister. And I think, I mean, the one good thing about having the world of Ravenswood exists in the PLL universe is that it gives credence to this ghost actually being a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Mrs. Marin, who is so disconnected from a lot of this stuff, sees her as opposed to one of the liars having this interaction, mm-hmm. I think is also really meaningful. Yeah. It's actually one of the f- very few supernatural occurrences within Rosewood. Um, yeah, I if mean, if the only one, right? Um, when they do, when they go to Ravenswood in the third uh, third Halloween episode, and we didn't watch it before we recorded the podcast, but um, not my favorite, not my favorite. Yeah, it's goofy. Episode. It's really goofy because they just they um, I don't know the, it it feels so off and so sloppy compared to the other Halloween episodes. Um, but uh, I would venture guess that undoubtedly that that twin is probably in that episode somewhere you know i don't remember offhand because it it wasn't as obvious to me then when i was watching it originally um but you know so what is that if there's this twin if allison's telling the story of herself that she killed her sister as a child and we see this young girl who's this ghost you know who was killed at, at a young age um, well, it doesn't seem as... What, how does that... What does that mean? Does that mean that there's not another twin out there or that Allison has always been a crazy person who killed her sister and then Bethany Young is just the latest person to fall victim to her murderous ways? Well, I think, you know, that's that's true. It could be that um, she... That Allison is just a homicidal maniac. Right. You know, and just kills people. Why we haven't seen more people die at her hand? I don't know. Well, I mean, what about Mona? So, do you think that she, like? But I don't know. That's the thing. Is like we've we've talked about how we don't want to accept the fact that um, that Allison killed Mona. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, I think it just she. Seems too I think. Obvious. Yeah, but it it does, and that's why I, that's why I've sort of been running away from it um, because the show still has you know two and a half more seasons to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe it is just the obvious thing that Allison's the villain, or a villain, and she definitely kills Mona. Allison also, remember, Allison gets an A text. Right. In the first Halloween episode. Right. So let's talk about this, because this, I think, is really crazy, the way that everything unfolds in this episode. Um, so you have Noel Kahn, mm-hmm. and Allison is taking the girls out to Noel Kahn's party, mm-hmm. uh, which is a whole thing. And we know that Noel ends up working for her later on. Yeah. Um, and they get to this party and Allison before that has been handed a box by her brother, uh, with like this voodoo doll in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't just show up on her door. Jason hands it to her and says, this was on the door, yeah. but we don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's the, maybe he's in cahoots with whoever, mm-hmm. you know, because we know that the night she disappears, everyone is, everyone is in her 
room looking for something, for some secret information or whatever it is that Allison has to blackmail them. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's also worth noting that when Jason comes in and gives um, gives Allison the box, you know, they have that quick discussion about the NAT club. Right. Or right. The, the origins of the NAT Yeah, what what are you what are you doing? He's like, oh we're making a movie. We're making a movie, yeah. Um but yeah, so so there so it's already introduced that there's someone lar- there's a larger force at play than um than only Allison is the villain. Right. In the very beginning. Right. You know? And the and the message is now it's my turn to torture you. Mm-hmm. And so we see a few people in the episode who might be candidates for that. We see Mona mm-hmm. um, being rejected by Ali and Arya. We see Lucas being called Hermie, mm-hmm. uh, which he does not like, and he says someday she'll get what's that's pretty. That's her. pretty brutal. That that nickname. It's Basically, super brutal. Assuming it's just sort of making fun of him that he's uh, hermaphrodite. <laughs> I mean, if he if he even was or yeah. is. Yeah, that's a really... Yeah, God forbid that he actually, you know, has, you know, that's something that he's dealt with as a human being. Right. Um, But, and then he has that sort of connection with Mona, where they sort of look at each other, and he says this, and then later in the show, we see him wearing that same, like, spooky baby mask, uh, and calling Allison a name as he walks by, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And... Noel Khan is also wearing the spooky baby mask, and then somebody, perhaps one of those two men or a third person, is the person who attacks Allie at the like haunted house, mm-hmm. and they're all wearing the spooky baby mask. So, to me, the fact that Lucas and Noel are wearing the same outfit, like that's not a coincidence. There are no coincidences on this show, I, right? No, there aren't. There aren't at all. So you have this whole network of people who seem to be against Allison, and it seems to be there already months before she disappears. Or people yeah. who recognize that she is like a villainous force or someone who has a, lot, a certain amount of power. Do you think that they're, they're just trying to imply or give a motivation behind the idea that Allie faked her own death in order to escape uh, some sort of larger threat? I mean that's kind of what they're implying is that, you know, it almost it it almost is starting to feel like our Jason theory is entirely plausible, but it's just a a, a sub theory of a greater a greater mess that drove Allison to fake her own death. Right, and like that everyone everyone that Allison knows everyone's secrets, including the fact that maybe. Jason and Melissa had an incest baby, you know? Sure. Um, that, but that's only one secret that she knows that would make Melissa also, hate her. Right, and she also, you know, in the in this in this first Halloween episode, she's clearly interested in Ian, who she's going mm-hmm. after, who's, yeah. who's dating Melissa at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she kind of goes up against, you, you know, you see her saying some some quippy remarks in Melissa's direction and trying to throw her off. Um, so that's all starting to play out as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, the question to me is, is the NAT club connected to Mona and the Geek Squad? You know, is there a link between these two groups? Um, and if so, have they been the, 
the have they been the original A who pushed Allie to go off and then become you know another A or something. It makes sense that the, it would be with with Jason talking to Lucas when he walks in to the party um, in the second oh, Halloween episode. Right. So in the second one, they're on the train, and Jason is on the train for some reason, even though he doesn't go to high school, and we really have no explanation whatsoever. For him being there. He, he just, just shows like, up. Oh, I'm just, yeah. um, just as James Dean from Rebel Without a Cause. Here mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, he and Lucas clearly like have a moment together uh, and are collaborating on yeah. something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it seems like that connection is there. Uh, sidebar, um, the second uh, Halloween episode with um, uh, the train, uh, the so all the liars decided that they're going to surprise each other with their their Halloween costumes, as opposed to getting ready together as they do under Allie's duress in the mm-hmm. first episode. Exactly, um, good point. Uh, so they surprise each other, and the the theme is uh, movies, like basically just dressed up like a character from a movie, and so um, so everyone does and. Um, Arya, I don't know why this bothers me so much, but it, I guess it's because, and this, this will, this will carry over into my biggest, uh, complaint about the, sp- the fan special, Sure. but I just don't, I don't like Arya's character at all, so it bothers me to a, to a high degree that they, they talk about how, they, they, they fucking have a conversation about how the theme is to dress up as a movie character. And then she shows up, and Hannah's like, what are you dressed as? And Arya says, I'm dressed as Daisy Buchanan from The Great Gatsby. And Hannah goes, oh, the movie? And she goes, no, the book. And it's like, fuck you, Arya. <laughs> right, right. Because like, the movie... dick. Because <laughs> the movie doesn't exist yet in this in this period, moment in time. No, but there's an old movie starring Robert Redford as, as Gatsby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, there's a movie, but, and right. Arya is, is, like, so artsy, and so, like, mm, I don't... But this is the thing, but, is, and her she is, watches, watch fucking black and white movies all the time. Right, that's the thing. She <laughs> is, a she is like, an old-school cinephile, mm-hmm. and yet, she feels... Yeah, it's kind of a weird... It's, like, a super snobby thing for her to do. I don't know why any of the liars didn't be like, hey, uh... Why, why, like, did you just not listen to us when we were talking? Right, like, right, were you not, like, paying attention yeah. to what you're supposed to do, like... Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a funny thing. Yeah, and uh, Emily's Emily's costume is pretty awesome as Barbarella. Yeah, that's a pretty awesome costume. That's a good one. I like Hannah as Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, that was back when her and Lucas were still pretty good friends. Right, Lucas is super in love with her, mm-hmm. and she's off with Caleb, and Lucas is like, uh, <laughs> uh. and also apparently after, uh, um. We were trying to figure this out in the timeline. Um, so this was so Caleb is recovering from getting shot. Yes. Um, and they're having a secret, like secret liaisons in the uh, janitor's closet at the hospital or at the dentist's office or something. Because Caleb and Hannah aren't supposed to be. I think A has banned them from dating or something like mm-hmm. that. Some weird, something you know, like some speed bump in their in their romance. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, anyway, um, I just wanted to point out how, uh, I really, it really bothers me that Arya's whole, like, 
just Arya, just Arya in this. I don't know. Sure. Oh, I think we, I think we both agree that she's our least favorite of the liars. I guess you know while we're t- we can re- return to our the actual plot of the actual TV show, but yeah, let's, um, the so the we'll thing the thing that bothered me the most about this TV special is, of course, there's a segment about the ships. And uh, every, how how everyone is a shipper for some for something, you know. Right. Uh, there's the Spoby the Spoby shippers, the uh, the Emma, Emerson the Emerson shippers. Yeah. Which I don't know why anyone walk would, on the wild why, side. Why would anyone want to have the, like them have a relationship? That's just so. Well, I you know I think up until the last few episodes, it's I think it's very ambiguous if Allison is a victim or a villain, um, and I mm-hmm. definitely took the side of. Uh, being sympathetic to her through the first real, really the first half of the season, mm-hmm. uh, until it becomes clear that she's like a, man- a manipulative psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I can see how someone would be interested in the in the MSN connection. So what do we call Arya and Fitz? What are, what are they called? Awful. Yeah. No, Ezria. Ezria. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As as Hillary points out. Um. So they. So they, of course, have Ian Harding and Lucy Hale talking about how, you know, they've become so intimate as as friends and as actors and how they, um, you know, at first they were really uh, self-conscious about their make-out scenes and now they're just like, they can just make out whenever. Oh, it's fine. I'll just eat an onion sandwich. Yeah, and, and, they're, and, they're like, and they're talking very positively about how cute the two characters are together, how they... How they have this like have this bond and and then they show all these fans and all these YouTube clips of people saying how cute they think they are, and the whole time all I could think of was like why is why is everyone condoning this illegal terrible relationship? Right, right. This guy, <coughs> excuse me. This guy, I'm, I'm getting so worked up. This guy is taking advantage of, of this student. young girl of a student right. who when he met. Her is was sixteen years old, right? And no one remotely brings up how this is a terrible, terrible thing. Even in the books, the guy goes to fucking jail, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of this weird. I mean, we've talked about this where it's just this like really bizarre blind spot for the show, which wants so badly to romanticize this character. Mm-hmm. And when we thought Ezra was going to be a, it was this opportunity for the show to like save itself mm-hmm. from this tacit condonement and being like, oh yeah, it turns out he's a terrible person and mm-hmm. has been this entire time. Uh, and this relationship was like a super bad idea for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it pivoted right back into being like, no, this is totally cool. It's totally fine. Even though like people go to jail for this and it's like national headlines on a weekly basis. Um, yeah. Uh, someone, someone just, uh, some woman was just uh, convicted for like, like twenty years in jail for sure. Statutory. I mean, rape. this is like a really serious, intense thing. So, but it, and that's and I guess that's what the 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 fan special revealed to me most. Not only that, like, which is what I already knew, which is that the show has a has an insane fan base, but that um, ourselves included, right? But but we're, but I but we're not. But I think a lot of fans are based on like I don't know the hunky boys and the. Um, and you know the relationships, and it's like instead but, instead of the actual um, genre uh, strengths that the show has. Sure, but I think I mean that's what makes it great is that we as as grown men, mm-hmm. you know, and as you know horror fans 
uh, and so and fans of like intricate narrative structures and so mm -hmm. on. You know, we can come to this and we can recognize its formal strengths and its writing strengths, um, and you know, be there for the teenage jokes and be there for the you know relationship stuff, which often is really more like there are certain sequences on the show which is just like this is not for me. You know, right. like a Spoby sex scene or whatever. It's just like, okay, this is for some 16-year-old girl, mm -hmm. you know, which is totally fine. And I, like, I recognize I'm not the target audience. I'm going to sit through this two-minute period, and then we're going to move on. The most, the, I, I, to, to Spoby's credit, the most uh, um, reasonable person on the whole fan special was Keegan Allen. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> he just seemed like a just a, a dude who just, just like a of, cool nice yeah, guy. Just, just like a, we're sorry, we're, we're sorry, Keegan, uh, that we made fun of your hair. Um, yeah. If you want to come on our show and be cool with us, we, please, we, we'd be down. But uh, and also the the that Troyan just seemed to, I don't know, she's just like picking up a paycheck. <laughs> Like, yeah, she seems like she seemed pretty over it to me. <laughs> there were definitely some parts where she's like, "Oh, and I like this, and I like this," and she's just like, "It just it didn't feel, you know, maybe she does super love it, but it I didn't get that vibe from her. Um, I got it most, mo bleh, I got it most from um, um, the actress who plays Hannah, uh, Ashley Benson. Ashley Benson, yeah, who seems to be just like." really enjoys the show and mm -hmm. happy to be there and like she's been in some cool movies as well so like yeah. her career is fine um so she, yeah i i really appreciated how much she seems to be enjoying herself i think that uh ian harding and shay mitchell might be fucking do you think so yeah they were really flirty yeah and there's a part where ian comes up behind her and like blows on her neck to scare her and it's like <laughs> that's a really sensual way of surprising somebody <laughs> like you could have done that in a way that was not crazy erotic. It's funny too. There was <laughs> there was one question during the the so throughout the whole. Um, in case you haven't watched the the fan special, which I'm we're we're assuming that you have. Um, they of course had their like th threaded throughout the special where the all the liars plus Allison um, answering these uh fan submitted questions and one of them was like how do how do you how do you make a tv show when you're surrounded by so many cute boys all the time and the girls and and they they took the question seriously uh and they legitimately answered that um it's hard but after you're around them so often you don't see how cute they are anymore which is essentially the bloom goes off the rose <laughs> which is essentially someone just being like yeah, after you get to know this person, they seem like a human being. Right. Which, and, not, and not like a, uh, you know, a gym-going piece of meat. Yeah, which is just sort of perfectly uh, paints, or perfectly illustrates what I think the show is for a lot of people, which is, is cute, cute boys. Cute boys doing cute boy things, you know, being, being cute boys. And right. no one, but no one, but I think that's, that's why... The uh, the Ezria relationship is is not um, condemned is because no one sees it as what it actually is. They just see it as a cute boy and a cute girl falling well, in love. And it has this element of danger. It has this Romeo and Juliet thing of like they can't be. They together. actually 
uh, fucking Lucy Hale uses yeah, that phrase. Right. And you're yeah. like, shut the fuck up. This is not Romeo and Juliet. This is just an illegal relationship between a man, a fully grown man, and a minor. Well, in Romeo and Juliet, they're both minors. So there you go. That's fine. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's these two characters who can't be together. So you have like this sense of danger or like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like you want it to be because of some actual, you know, a Romeo and Juliet type reason like, oh, the families hate each other or, oh, it's blah, blah, yeah. blah. But, you know, the modern version of it is like, yeah, let's make it statutory rape. Everyone's fucking, well, everyone's fucking cool with their relationship now. Right. Fitz gets invited over for Thanksgiving. Yeah. That, I mean, I think at that point the parents are just like, whatever, yo. <laughs> YOLO. He, he seems to be an okay dude. I guess this is where this is going. <laughs> you know, I mean, these things happen in America. Mm. You know. I, I suppose. It happens here and there. Um, but I, I agree with you that the the abs- the basic premise of it is terrible. Mm-hmm. They should not be together. Fitz is bad. I do not like the, the, pivot, the hard pivot into Fitz is a secret hero. Um... And it's doing everything for love. You yeah. know, none of it seems, none of that seems accurate to a guy who had invested all of his mom's trust mo- trust fund money into like putting cameras all over the entire city. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and like becoming Batman or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think those two things align. Yeah. He's like statutory rapist Batman. Right. <laughs> but not even a good Batman because he doesn't figure out who A is. <laughs> I know. He's just right? like this shitty Batman. And he doesn't have all those important files on his computer. He is, he's, oh. still, he's still going to analog. Right, he has all these paper files. <laughs> he was like looking for something and he can't just control F for it. And it's like, bro, <laughs> bro. But let's remember it's 2011. The MacBook Air was a, a new, relatively new concept. <laughs> Solid state drives. You know, computers are pretty slow in 2011. So I understand. That's true. That's true, I guess, you know. Yeah. Let's go back to the train. And his back cave is this terrible apartment. Right, right. Well, and his, like, secret family cabin, because he just, like, owns all this property all over mm-hmm. all over the eastern seaboard. Because he's a Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. But, let's, yeah, back, let's go back to the train. Back to the train. I mean, there's some... It's just a bonkers episode. It is. Uh, it's, it's one of the episodes where it's most clear... Uh, that there are many, many A's. There are right. so many there A's. There are so episode. many A's. Well, so we have Mona sneaking out of Radley, mm-hmm. and I think we can say that. And Mona has an alley mask, who she got from. Yeah, Mona's this crazy wearing the person. alley mask. Yeah. So she's wearing. She's like in the Phantom of the Opera costume. So she's impersonating Caleb. Yes. Um, and then there's two of what are referred to as the Queen of Hearts. Uh huh. Which uh, with the nails, which we the find big, out big are. Uh, Wilden and Melissa, right? Yeah. And we find out later. Yeah, we find out later that they're Wilden and Melissa. Uh-huh. So Wilden and Melissa, uh, Wilden kills um, what's his face, the the dude, the cop, the other, the NAT club cop. Yeah, Wilden kills him, and Wilden and Melissa almost kill Arya. Right. Um, By dropping her off the back of a train. Mm-hmm. My question there is, they leave that crate and they they're going back through. The train. How do they get back out without the liars who show up moments later seeing them? How do they not pass each other in the hall? And and the liars are like, ah, you're A. Yeah. That's like, you know, a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of a moment of disbelief there. Well, there's also another moment of disbelief when you assume that um, 
uh, that Wilden is the person who is fighting uh, Spencer. Right. So there's there's a scene where Spencer is attacked in the in a back hallway of the train, and uh, she's saved by Paige. Uh, who just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Which also felt very, like, questionable. Right. Yeah, like, where the hell is Paige coming from? But uh, you have Wilden. So assuming that's Wilden, because he, they're basically like, oh, it's he's big. Like, this, this, this A is larger. Um, there was, you know, for some reason Wilden was wearing fake fingernails. Uh-huh. Uh, perhaps to further disguise his identity. Sure. Um they're talking about how uh, how large this A is. Um, Wilden is a trained police officer, right. and yet somehow can't overpower Spencer. Well, I mean, that makes me think it was probably Melissa. Because we don't have... There's been no but reveal... Melissa's not a, a large person, though. Yeah, that's true. But whoever it is is wearing this costume... Which could be out billowy, chunky, you know, as, as big as you want to be. Uh, and she is taller than Spencer. Mm. So, I mean, it's not unlikely to me that it would be Melissa. But, I mean, uh, with all these physical conflicts, you know, if A wins the physical conflict, then it's game over. Yeah. So there is some degree of like, okay, the show has to make it somehow figure out a way for them to not be strangled in the first 30 seconds of the encounter, which is what would happen in real life. Because you know? <laughs> otherwise, there's not really any drama on the show mm-hmm. if A just goes around strangling people to death. Mm-hmm. What? But well, beyond but beyond those two, we know that Caleb and... or I'm sorry, I keep mixing them up. We know that Lucas and Jason are on the train working together for some nefarious purpose mm-hmm. um, because we see Jason look and he sees... Uh, Lucas's camera on the ground, and Lucas is off doing something we never find out. Yeah. So, what? And is Mona just there to supervise? It must be. So, so Mona is obviously at this point working with, with at the very least, Wilden and Melissa, uh, because mm-hmm. Mona gives either Wilden or Melissa the um, the. The drugs that they use to drug Arya, right? Um, in the beginning, when they're some like an, an A comes to visit Mona at, at Radley, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's hard to tell how Jason and Lucas fit into this. Um, it's hard to tell how a body bag gets into the the drink ice cooler sure. thing. Um, what that's supposed to symbolize necessarily? Um, why they why they're trying to kill Arya all of a sudden? Right. That doesn't. I don't understand why that that's the case at that point. Right. Um, there's. I mean, as as much as they set up in this episode, there's a lot that goes unanswered, and that I don't even think we can can we can answer now. No, I agree. Um, and I and so I so for that reason, I would assume just might never. Be answered as to actually like what's happening. I, I think and the I only think, way to figure out it would be like what, like how does Jason, how does Jason play into this grand scheme? Right, and I think that's a big question and one we we don't have the answer to. Um, to me, he and Melissa are really the two biggest moving parts um, that we don't know where they fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've gotten so many unsatisfying answers about Melissa. I mean, including the revelation that she thinks Spencer 
you know, kill Bethany Young in like a drug rage. Um, but that maybe that's just her. I mean, just like Allie, she could just be telling this fake story of what happened that night because no one really knows. Mm-hmm. No one, you know, no one has actually gone on record in a uh, in a way that is not that is reliable. Yeah, all of our narrators are unreliable. They're well, all they so. All what's his, what's his name? Garrett. That's his name, Garrett. Right, Garrett. So Garrett's the the cop who dies. Yeah, who was he, an NAT club member. He reveals to. Spencer, that the night of Allison's disappearance, they were, um, something was happening in Jason's room or something. Mm-hmm. So Garrett uh, leaves with Jenna. <clears throat> right. <coughs> who, by the, who, who, by the way, had a pretty strong connection with Noel Kahn. That's right. Later yeah. in the show. Jenna and Noel are dating, in fact, during the, the, during the, uh, the train, train episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Garrett and Jenna leave together and they encounter, um, Allison and Allison, uh, eggs them on to a certain extent that Garrett like pulls out a a lacrosse club and, uh, is like threatening her with it and he swings and misses and then Jenna's like, oh, is he dead? Is he dead? And Garrett's like, I took care of it. And, right. And, you know, and that's, I think, when Allison is like... Doing the shush. Yeah, doing the shush motion. Yeah, he hits a tree a couple of times. To, so that there might... So that's almost like, you know, the beginning of her faking her death somehow. Right. right. Um, so it's, it's kind of like... And then, of course, at that point... Uh, uh, the story ends, and uh, or Garrett then sees Allison talking to um, Ari's dad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, which which we get confirmation of, I think, later on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know she was blackmailing him. Yeah. So it seems like there's you know that all these people, Allison has shit on all of these people. Right. Everyone has everyone has a motive. Mm-hmm. Everyone has some level of connection to each other and to Allison. And I think you know the more of the stuff we've watched, the more it really sets up the show to be like any of these people could still be a mm-hmm. or could still be responsible or could still have all this stuff. And I think the show has done an unprecedented soap opera job of giving everyone a motive and playing that out through like several years of narrative and of television mm-hmm. and it's just an unbelievable web i mean it's like it's like r kelly's trapped in the closet <laughs> it's just like it's on that scale that is giving too much credit to r kelly um <laughs> i yeah and i think that that's kind of that's kind of what felt so um implied during this the fan special but not really overtly talked about which mm-hmm. is that you know, everyone's talking about, oh, our fans are so great, and we wouldn't be as popular if, if, if we didn't have, if social media didn't allow our fans to express themselves the way that they can. Right. Um, look at all these cute boys, look at all these cute girls, look at all these relationships. Uh, here's, a, here's a sneak peek of what's to come. Uh, you know, like, look at... But it sells, it, it sells short the kind of, like multi-layered murder mystery exactly intensity of the show the closest we get to it is when they talk about the sets and the amount of detail that go into the sets mm-hmm. you know but um 
What's that? What's that? What's what are the producers' name? Green Green Stick or something? Oh, I didn't catch the name. Like Green Stick. It was some some Green Shaft. I don't know. Some it was some it was some goofy name. It was another producer. Uh, even he when he's trying to like talk. Gold stick, yeah, I was like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like gold stick, yeah, like Steve Goldstick. Goldfinger. <laughs> that he, when he's talking about the phenomenon of the TV show, it seems like he wants to imply that you know it's just really well written and right. It's it's popular because we made a really super. But good no show. one is, but no one is ever like. It's popular because it's well-written genre television. Mm -hmm. It's just like, mm -hmm. there's these really cute boys, and I can't get over how cute they are, and I got, and, and you know, it's crazy that this cute boy could also be evil. Right. You know? Well, but I think the difference between, you know, if you look at other shows that have come before this one, you know, teenager-based, relationship-based, um, you know, be it Dawson's Creek or... Gossip Girl or the OC or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Dawson's Creek was out for a while, but a lot of these shows have really high ratings for a couple of seasons, uh, and then they fade out because people just get over it, and especially Gossip Girl just repeated itself endlessly, and it was just like, how many of these characters can we get to sleep together, you know? And there's no... Did Gossip Girl ever have any sort of mystery to the extent of... Well, the mystery was like, who's Gossip Girl? But the thing is, like, after watching the show for... You know, there were episodes where there weren't even go a Gossip Girl text. It was just like this sort of arbitrary social media thing that was tacked onto the show in many ways and didn't have a lot to do with it. And so at the end, I mean, the whole last season of Gossip Girl is a shameful disaster. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's the big reveal of who Gossip Girl is. Uh, and it's kind of fun, but it's like, why would you even care who Gossip Girl is? Like... It has nothing to do with, like, the growth of these characters. It has nothing to do with them, like, maturing into real human beings. Yeah. It just plays into this, like, stupid bullshit about them being, you know, a clicky, rich yuppies, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, here's how you get into the inner circle of the clicky, <clears throat> rich people is you come up with this blog and you blah, blah, blah. And, like, that's how you get respect. And it just, like, washes right over all of the nuance and growth and you know, substance that the show had put into, especially in season five, uh, in which, like, Blair Waldorf, like, the villainous, shallow character, like, has a miscarriage and gets trapped in a bad marriage and, like, goes through all this really intense uh, mm -hmm. mat maturing. And because of the nature of the show, none of that was, you know... No one cares. No one knows that that performance exists and was oh, good geez. acting and was good storytelling and blah, yeah. blah, blah, because it's on this, like, teen show that had already, like, lost its fan base. It was already, like, you know, into uh, into the afterglow or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the difference with Pretty Little Liars is, like, they actually have – there's so much substance to it and there's an actual – centered to the story and it's not just like let's repeat ourselves over and over and just come up with new variations of the soap opera stuff you know uh let's actually have a plot drive it forward and that's why it's still so popular because the surprises matter whereas like being told dan humphrey spoiler alert is yeah. gossip girl like no one cares like yeah. no one's you know of like the however many whatever fraction of the people who used to watch the show it's like oh isn't okay that, isn't that kind of Ironic, though, that um, Pretty Little Liars is too good for ABC Family, too good for 
the medium in which it's portrayed. Sure. But it, it should be on HBO. It should, but by but by being on ABC Family and by being the show that it is, right. it's gotten the audience that allows it to continue right. with such fervor. Right. So it's like it's too good for the audience that made it what it is. Well, I think the question becomes: Does this show inspire other shows that are on par with it, or does it inspire more shows about murder? You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, generally when there's some when there's a good piece of art that becomes very popular, whether it's Nirvana or Pretty Little Liars or whatever, people try to cash in on it or they like take away the wrong lessons from it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I'm, I'm sure we will see that play out, but you know, I, I'm happy that there's a show that exists that's on this level of storytelling that is fun for teens and tweens to get wrapped up in, uh, and exists for us to enjoy so much and, and theorize over and like, watch it and feel like it's not trashy, it's not stupid, it is like aimed at a thinking person's intelligence. Do you think that <clears throat> if it weren't on ABC Family, it would be a better show? That's a good question. Um, because I sort of like the indulgent teenage parts, you know, for what they are. Yeah. Um, I don't think it makes... And I like the, you know, the quippy banter and sort of the funny moments that you got here and there on... Um, shows like Gossip Girl as well, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I like how they're used to deflect the like complete terror of the show. Otherwise, because other you know, it would just be like a David Fincher movie. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would just be like you know, digital and clammy and like gray walls and just horrible all the time. Um, and the fact that it's not, and the fact that you have these like, you know, four pretty young women on it, and it's yeah. like an energetic show. Um, and there's things to it beyond just like just complete brutal uh, law and order or Dexter <laughs> yeah. or you know whatever terror. Like mm. I think if you put the show on HBO or Showtime or something, it would be a lot more gruesome. Yeah. And it's scarier because it is like PG-13. Mm-hmm. You know, because we don't see people just being murdered in a gory way. You yeah. know, it has to hold back, and that forces it to just work harder. Yeah. So I, I think it probably is better for being on ABC Family in a lot of ways. That's true. That's a good point. It does it does work hard. It works hard for. Um, yeah, I mean that that makes sense because you you look back at at a lot of the slasher flicks that it emulates in a lot of ways. Um, you know the everything before before Final Destination became an R rated movie. You know mm-hmm. the the PG thirteen slasher flicks of the late nineties. Um, the how I'm, I was gonna say how I met your mothers. The I know what you did last summers. Right. Um, I mean, even they worked. You know, they worked hard for their for their scares as opposed to right. as opposed to what is essentially amounted now to torture porn. Kind of this whole idea of uh, shock value over the novelty the, of, the, of the of the murder. Of yeah, of the novelty and shock value as opposed to genuine tension. And and and, um, and uh, thrills, chills, you know, or yeah, suspense, scares, suspense, suspense. And they say that in the in this new special, you know, it's not about the boo, um, you know, it's about everything that leads up to it mm-hmm. and this and the tension that you feel. Um, and even in you know, even in the original Friday the Thirteenth, um, and there's a big reveal. They wait to the end to tell you who the killer is, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of super long shots where someone's just 
in a cabin, hanging out, brushing their teeth, and from watching more recent horror movies, you know, the first time I watched Friday the 13th, I was like, all right, this person's going to die right now. Yeah. And then it would be another, like, minute or two minutes before it happened. Mm-hmm. And I was just astounded by that, that they would have so much patience and just make you go through this grueling intensity of waiting for the person to die because you know they're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, well, maybe in five minutes. You don't know. You don't know. Um, that's the scariest thing is not knowing. Uh, and I think that's what makes the show, that's what makes Pretty Little Liars so good is that it has left us so many questions and left us so many possible killers and options and so on that it is really scary because you really don't know who who to trust, uh, who the villains are. Yeah, <clears throat> and at the same time it feels like they have, it really does feel like they have things planned. Um, you know, as opposed to, as we've talked in the past, as opposed to Lost. But I think that, you know, not to throw Lost under the bus. No, be- let's throw it under that bus. Well, but Lost... The wheels, the wheels on the Lost bus go round and round. <laughs> Damon Lindelof is doing fine. He doesn't need any, he doesn't need any compliments well, on the podcast. Lost, you know, Lost's Lost biggest problem was that it, it tried to... Uh, absorb too many concepts and mm-hmm. eventually just got lost in its own like wide web of science fictionness. Too many references. Yeah, um, Pretty Little Liars doesn't have that much to reference, but it also feels like carefully plotted. And despite the show's, and I think that's the weakness of Pretty Little Liars when it does reference. When it's like, here's a noir episode, mm-hmm. here's a gothic horror like horror like ghost episode. Yeah, you know. Those take you out of the very specific world that it that the show's created, and you know I thought the noir episode was like fine, it was funny, like yeah. it was silly, whatever. Um, but it's like it's indulgent. It's like mm-hmm. the people working on the show being like, we really want to make this, and let's just squeeze it just in, do it, yeah. you know, which is fine. I get it, you know. Well, that's... you make twenty episodes, twenty three episodes a season, but at the same time, it's like it's not it wasn't a useful episode. No, but that's and I guess. You know, that's that's sort of the difference is, is that idea of indulgence where the show doesn't for 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 as uh, melodramatic and as teen soap opera y as it gets, it feel it doesn't feel like it's an indulgent show. It feels like it's very patient. Um, and it really spends time uh, developing the world enough that um, its thrills and its shocks and its scares and its twists are, are very well earned. Right. Um, and you get to spend a lot of, you know, there's enough sort of peaks and valleys where the show will come down and the characters will have the chance to like emotionally react mm-hmm. and to deal with it and to work with their friends to deal with it. Um, and I think that's a cool thing for teenagers or people, younger people watching the show to see to have like here's what friendship looks like here's how you can process feelings yeah. you know here's how you can get through these difficult times mm-hmm. um, with the power of friendship and I think you know the show is a testament to that and um, at the beginning of the series the liars have drifted apart after Allison left but when she comes back or she's found to be disappeared or you know whatever the case may be they're brought back together and discover that they really do have these strong bonds mm-hmm. and these horrible circumstances force them together, but they are better um, together 
in these circumstances. They couldn't do it alone. Yeah. You know, uh, and they become friends for good reasons instead of because they're all tied together through, through Allison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think I, I, we've probably talked about this before, but, um, one thing I admire about the show is that, um, it's never, the idea of being a teenager living a normal life is never far from the reality of, uh, of the, um, of the, like the main horror plot. So, you know, whether it's, it's Spencer freaking out because she forgot a test or the fact that some, some like big crazy thing happens and then they have to like go back to school, you know, the next day and just be a normal kid again. It's really, I think that's one thing that's often lost in speaking of lost. It's often lost in serialized shows of this extent is that the show becomes so plot heavy and so and so driven by these like enormous plot points every week is that the characters become shells of 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 what they were they just right. become vessels for reactions and uh to the plot and also uh conveyance of the plot right you it's know, all it becomes a soap opera Instead of, like, a, a lived reality. Right. And so I, that's why I think the one thing that I appreciate about the show is you, you always feel like these characters are actually real people who just had something shitty to them happen, and they have to go and just deal with it. Just, like, live their life. That they can't they can't stop their life. That they don't get, you know, they, they don't have an hour to, to for these crazy things to happen, and then they get to just, like, shut off for another week until the next episode starts. Right. It's... You know they have to. They you know they they have to just deal with real life, and it's very much like being. I feel like becoming an adult is figuring out, and we've had conversations about how like the the show is just really just about the horrors of growing up. Um, that becoming an adult, an adult is figuring out how to live your life by um, taking epic emotional events in your life in stride right and just living your the rest of your boring life emotionally uh sort of um decompressing from a big shock and figuring out how to live your life in that way that like the life doesn't stop that you can't that you can't be like oh someone died or this like this tragic emotional thing you happened. broke up with somebody yeah that like you can't just stop you have to like you have to just keep going, and you have right. to just be a normal person. And I think we've seen really almost I think all of the characters have gone through something like that where they've really shut down mm-hmm. for a few episodes. Like Arya at the beginning of this season, she shot someone. Yeah, you know. Um, and in the previous season, she finds out Fitz has betrayed her. Mm-hmm. You know, and in both of those moments, she does not want to deal with anyone, um, but she gets pulled back out of it because she has to. You know, because she can't let her friends down. That's a really funny parallel to the first Halloween episode where she, um, it's in, in that episode she discovers with Allison that her dad is cheating on her mom. And, um, you know, so they, so she goes to uh, Spencer's house um, where they're all getting ready for the party. And she's like, um, I, 
don't, what is it like, I don't, um, I don't, I don't really feel like, you know, hanging out, I don't really, I don't want to really go to the party, and Allison's like, what are you talking about, this is like the big party, we're going to Knowles, you know, he has the hots for you, or whatever, and, um, you know, Noel's popular, and he's cute, and this should be your priority, and she's like, well, I don't really feel like it, I just want to go to watch him, I want to go watch a movie and bury my face in popcorn, right, you know, you'd think that she would know what a movie is, uh, and Allison's basically just like, nope, that's bullshit, yeah, um, you gotta do what I say, yeah, which in a weird way is sort of just being like, Arya, get the fuck over it, like, this, your life is this, like, your mm-hmm. life isn't gonna stop because you saw daddy doing something bad, like, yeah, and, and then Arya is, is says, well, uh, Allison, you know, cut me some slack. I have a, there's a lot going on in my life. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's totally true. But it's, and I always, but I always think about my own life whenever I have people close to me who are like, uh, or not even people who are close to me necessarily, but like, oh, I'm just going through a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And you're like, tough fucking shit. Join the mm-hmm. club. We're all going through a lot of sure. shit right now. Sure. This is what life is like. You know, for every shitty thing that you think is 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 singular to you, there are five things that people close to you haven't even remotely talked about that they're dealing with. Like, you are not special, and your pain is not special. So just deal with it and move on, and don't make the rest of the world a shittier place because you can't, because you want it to slow down because you can't deal with it. Sure, but at the same time, Allison is not sort of doing this out of... Right. Uh, you know, saintly reasons. She's not trying to explain to Arya, you need to process your feelings no. and move forward with your life. She's using them to manipulate. She's using a situation to manipulate. But right? I guess, it, you know, at the, and, and, and I'm not a fan of Allison, so I don't want this to come off as sort of like I'm an apologist for her, but I also think that, like, she is probably, out of anyone, the person to be like, yep, this is what life is like. Just fucking deal with it. Right. You know? But she's also... A psychopath with no emotional empathy. <laughs> so, for, so perhaps there is a middle ground <laughs> to be found. Yeah. From, but I, I think the message there, I think that's a great parallel that you brought up. But I think the interesting message there is that like, when she comes out of these emotions in season five after killing somebody, it's because her friends... It's not even that her friends are asking her to come back. She just does because she recognizes she can. She needs to be there for her friends. Yeah. She needs to be there for her mom, you know. And I think it's like a level of um, she doesn't need to be forced, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that shows a level of growth between the character of the flashback who's yeah. sort of dealing with this kind of adult feeling for the first time and the character we get three years later Absolutely. who who's like shocked shot a person you know is herself not even witness something but she is herself doing the craziest thing that she could have done Mm -hmm. um and she moves on yeah you know she deals with it it's also funny too because you know she starts out i think in the beginning of the season she starts out that whole like woe is me i'm Arya, my life is hard kind of thing and emily's just like um excuse me i also killed somebody so Right, you know. Right, which is <laughs> I, a good, which is I a, remember, <laughs> which is a good reminder because you know it happened like several years earlier yeah. in real lifetime, and so Arya's like, oh yeah, I <laughs> yeah. remember. You didn't kill somebody, even either. though it happens in Showtime, like <laughs> pretty recently, mm-hmm. and it's weird that she would like not really consider it mm-hmm. because in the in the time span of the show, I mean, it's weeks, months, you know, it's not a long not period. That, yeah, yeah, 
maybe. When, when was that? Was that the third season? I don't remember, but I think it's... I guess it's during... I don't know if it's during junior or senior year. Um, but it's not very far removed, Yeah, is, is the point. It's like with, within a year, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. every year feels like a long year when you're 16 when you're, years old. Oh, God, yeah. I want to I wanna see them... And, I mean, they, they must be going to... So they're... So when the show starts up again, they're going they're going to be halfway through their senior year. So it's going to be Christmas of senior year. Right. So we're getting to the end of the line there. And one thing they said in the special is that there is life for them after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, how that will play out, I think, will be very tricky for the show because usually when characters go off to college, you know, and they split in different locales. I mean, you see it in the last season of The O.C. and it just is very messy. Yeah. So... How the show will tackle it, you know, will be very interesting. I would imagine that given the way the show moves and what it wants to set up is that I bet you the rest of the season will be, you know, the few weeks around Christmas. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it's it's crazy that they're setting this up. I, I do, I as much as I would have liked to have seen a Halloween episode, I do appreciate the fact that they are not, like, doing too much retconning with the with the timeline. Right, they're skipping ahead and just continuing to go mm-hmm. instead of giving us... Although there are going to be some flashbacks in the Christmas episode, yeah. allegedly. Well, you know, it's because it's been, um, well, probably a month since Mona's died. Um, so Right, because she dies, she dies three, Thanksgiving. Yeah, about three three weeks or so right. since so Mona's we skip, died. So we're going to skip Mona's funeral. We're going to skip the grief... For Mona and the questioning of like, what does this mean? Yeah, well, I, mean, I guess that they're probably still going through a lot of it, you know. Um, yeah. And then I would guess that the rest of the fifth season is probably those, uh, the few next couple weeks, uh, uh, after Christmas. And then I bet you the sixth season is going to be up through the end of like up through graduation. Yeah, that makes sense. So that the last season will be them going into college, their new lives. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I would imagine that, you know, it's it's almost too perfect to have the big reveals about who who the big A is uh, not coincide with them graduating high school. I would imagine right. you need to you need to get that all cleared up before they go their separate ways. Right. Because you know? there's all but there's so many A's who could be following them around for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the question of like which I think I've had throughout the show, which is, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Who, why, why are you banging on about this forever? What's yeah. the big deal? Just let it go, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show, I mean, the show really has to explain, like, what is the liar's role in all this? Are they just a sideshow? Are they yeah. a distraction? Or are they the end goal? Because if they were, you know, you can't kill any of them off for dramatic reasons. But, like, you know, if someone really wanted to kill these characters... These people have killed a lot of people on the show. Mm-hmm. It would not be unrealistic for somebody to walk into somebody's bedroom and smother them. Yeah, you know, just well, yeah. It's like it's like the you know like at the end of the first Godfather, like the, the planned mass murder of everybody. Like if A wanted, if the big A wanted to kill the liars, the big A could easily do that. Just right. within the course of five minutes, kill them all at once. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so so it makes a sense. It's like so yeah. So it begs the question like what 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 is the point? What are the, what is the end goal of the a, of of the big A? Like what if if murdering them isn't the the main goal? 
then then what is? What are they? Like why? Yeah. Why? And I, why? I think, I think we get I think we get closer to it when the liars have this like you know sort of gimmicky um, or quickie revelation in the Moa episode that oh Allison's like a clinical psychopath and she picked us out for these specific character traits and yeah. this all fits into this very neat sort of like mental profile of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that gets closer to like okay here's some motivation for this all to happen. Um, but obviously it's a much bigger web that we still need to untangle. Um, which we'll, we will begin to do so when the Christmas episode rolls around, which I don't... Is there a, a premiere date for that? Um, I don't know, and we are, we are failing you, our listeners, by not having it in front of us, but I, I would imagine it's in December. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll, 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 we will come back. Uh, we'll have some other things to talk about. Uh, next week, um, yeah. Let us know what you thought about the the Halloween specials and your theories and where this all fits together because we certainly have our ideas. But if you if you're listening to this podcast, um, I'm sure you have a lot of your own. So let us know on 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 Twitter. Uh, I'm at David E Greenwald. Um, Dom is at Sincola Lad, uh, and you can find us on rockblog.net, and so on as well. Um, please star us on iTunes if you have not. It really helps. Uh, anything else we should say this week? Um, let's see. Uh, we are, Well, we were eating throughout the course of this podcast. Uh, eating some pizza from our, our future pizza sponsor. Yeah, who's Hillary? What, what's the name New of that? New York, New York Pizza on Belmont. Yeah. Um, here in Portland, Oregon. Very good. I, I was drinking a... Uh, a special edition IPA from Elysian Brewery, the Space Dust IPA. Um, I wasn't blown away by it. It was it was it was it was, it was pretty good. I it, it didn't feel like a special edition IPA. It just felt like a pretty run. It's like a regular, yeah, regular edition. Yeah, I mean Elysian. I, I like Elysian. They're a Seattle-based brewery. I, yeah, I they're, like them. they're solid. They make a lot of different beers. Yeah, they remind me of Stone in uh, San Diego, mm-hmm. where like a lot of the beers are good. Some of them are just okay. Man, when I was in when you go to Palm Springs, I feel like most places that you go in Palm Springs, which my, I'm saying this because my dad lives in Palm Springs, but uh, and we were just there. You guys as well. were just there, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like most places you go, it's like your typical like big box breweries, and then there's the like the one Stone IPA because mm-hmm. like Stone is just like ubiquitous in in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, no, they they are. They have a lot of they have good distribution, but they're really good for how. You know, for how popular and widespread they are, I think they make very good beers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were like three of them at the Ace Hotel, but the Ace had a really good beer selection. Um, Dave, do you have a do you have a Halloween costume planned out? I don't. I usually put it together at the last minute. I was where's Waldo one year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to think of something funny. I always want to do a couples thing with Hillary. And I'm always like, let's do this couple. And she's like, mm, no. <laughs> um, so I have to... Well, <laughs> Ryan Adams and Mandy Moore is an option. Um, Hillary has to grow about a foot and a half before that one makes sense. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll come up with something. I I don't know. We have uh, uh we have yet to go shopping, but uh, Rebecca and I um have talked about uh, me being George Michael from um, Arrested Development. Or, no. no, the singer. Wham. No, from from, from Wham, from Wham, oh, okay. and also from George Michael fame. Also from masturbating in the bathroom fame. 
sure. public bathroom fame. Uh, and How for, will you portray that? I'm gonna I'm gonna be George Michael from Wham. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because yeah. Pre uh, pre trouble. Yeah. Pre legal yeah. trouble. Pre uh, pre faith. Um, Actually, maybe I could dress up as as him in the Faith video. But anyway, so Re and then Rebecca would be Michael Bolton. Hmm. So we would be George Michael Bolton. But we also thought uh, you could also be George Michael Bolton and be George Michael from Arrested Development and Michael Bolton from Office Space. That's true. <laughs> or you could get two other people and run both costumes and just yeah. have it be extremely meta. <laughs> That's great. You just have someone dressed up in a giant uh, banana costume. Yeah. So that's what we're thinking. I just need I need to find some fingerless gloves and some short shorts. Oh, there you go. Shouldn't be too hard here in Portland, Oregon. No, short shorts are pretty much run the mill here. Well, that's all we got for you this week on Pretty Little Grown Men. Uh, until next time. Act normal, bitches. Don't cut, cut my